Well, we are in this new series, Seven Words That Could Change Your Life, and the word today is enough. Not as in enough, but as in enough. God has given us enough. Uh, Would you just take a quick moment and look at this booklet? It's very cool. It's free. It's a gift from the East Michigan Conference and our friend Brad Button. And just open it up to the very center, let it fall open, and you will find there kind of a a lesson that fits with today's theme, because there's a place to list all of the many blessings that God has given us, and uh, the God-given assets. It's a pretty cool lesson, actually, so I encourage you to take a look at that. Then go back a few pages toward the front. And on page 37 and 38, there's an awesome lesson uh, called 10 Biblical Reasons to Give 10% or More of Your Income to the Lord's Work. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of you who give consistently to God's work here. You have blessed this church as your pastor, one of your pastors. I feel blessed to serve here. And it's so cool to know that especially when there's a need When there's a a world need or a local need, you guys consistently step up and give generously. Thank you. And uh, I also want to say thank you to the men and women who took time off Friday and Saturday and renovated our gymnasium multi-purpose room, painted it, and, uh, and fixed a lot of stuff in there, replaced all the lights. It looks amazing. So thank you. Let's all say thank you. That was great. Yeah, 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 good job. Um, Next week's word is thanks. Uh, Does anybody have anything to be thankful for? Even if it's not November, okay? Like we sort of, you know, OD on Thanksgiving in November and then forget that it's a year-round process. So next week we get to be thankful again. And then the following week, I'm very excited, the word is wow. Wow. Uh, Actually, that's a prayer. Did you know that? That's a prayer. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Look at that. Look at that sunrise. Look at uh, your creation. Look at the joy we have when we sing your praise together. So it's all about worship. The service will be a little differently organized. There'll be some singing and some scripture and some teaching and kind of woven in together. It's going to be an awesome experience of wow. So don't miss it. Then the following week, uh, Superintendent Brad is going to be here, and the word is help. Anybody ever pray that prayer? Help. Probably the most common prayer prayed in America these days, maybe around the world. And, uh, so, and also, we're going to do our kind of uh, Super Bowl theme and have fun with it as well. A great chance to bring a friend. Uh, the week after that, I get to go on your behalf to visit friends in Asia. Um, Really good news, I just got my approval for my visa to go to China, which is not easy to get if you're a pastor. And so that was an answer to our prayers, and I get to go with uh, Colin Consiglio from our church. We're going to visit there some people who do very risky things for the cause of Christ, some of my heroes. And uh, we're going to bless and encourage them. And uh, some really cool stuff has happened just in the last 48 hours about uh, divine appointments we already have with people we didn't expect to be able to get to see. I can't 
we're on Facebook Live, so I can't say any more about that, okay? Then after that, I go to, uh, on that same trip to Thailand, which I've never been there before. They said the temperature there today was 84. Somebody's got to go, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not that I really want to do it. And, uh, and I'm blessed I was, uh, I was asked to resource uh, a week-long spiritual retreat for people who serve in those areas of the world where it is dangerous to serve the cause of Christ. And so they get a week off for uh, Chinese New Year's, and I get to go and uh, pray with them and share God's word with them. So you'll hear more about it. Please pray, okay, as that opportunity unfolds. Enough. Take your left hand and clench your fist, please. Take a look at it. If you don't have enough, you got to hold on to all you got, right? And, and the tighter, the better, because you don't want to get rid of it. You don't want anybody, anything to happen to it. You don't want anybody to take it. You got enough. Now take your right hand and just hold it open. Um, when you have enough, you have a whole different attitude, don't you? It's like, um, I've been blessed, and I can trust, and I can share. Thank you. Um, I went to the Newburgh, Oregon Free Methodist Church while I was a seminary student. Nancy and I did. And the pastor there has recently gone to be with the Lord. His name was Jack Delamarter. Jack gave a message that I remember, you know, almost 40 years later. You know, it was one of those, right? He spoke about the parable of the Good Samaritan in a way I'd never heard it explained before. And he talked about the fact that when Jesus told that parable, uh, he mentioned sort of three individuals or groups of people. Now, the first was the thief or the thieves. And there was this man traveling down from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, and the Bible says he fell among thieves. And the thieves robbed him, beat him, stripped him, and left him for dead. Then the Bible, Jesus said that uh, there were a priest and a Levite, religious people, professional religious people, who came by and saw the wounded, beaten man, but passed by, it says, on the other side. And then there was that good Samaritan, um, an enemy, the other, somebody you would least expect to stop, and he saw the, it's interesting, the wording, he saw the man, and he stopped, and he helped, and he bound up his wounds, and he put him on his own animal, and he took him to the inn, and, and you know the story, he gave the innkeeper money and said, I'll, if this isn't enough, I'll pay the rest when I come back. Amazing. So Pastor Jack said, there's a lot of people in the world who are like the thieves, and their attitude is, What's yours is mine, I'll take it. And um, they're always looking what they can get out of people. You know, kind of sizing you up, kind of figuring out the deal. How am I going to get something from you? And, and a lot of times it's, you know, dishonest and unfair and mean-spirited. What's yours is mine, I'll take it. And then there's probably the more dominant attitude, especially in our culture, 
which is the thief and the or the priest and the Levite who walked by. And their attitude was, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. Uh, how often has you heard somebody say, well, it's mine, I earned it. Um, of course, the question would be, who gave you the energy and the health and the strength and the smarts to earn it? But when we're in the moment and we feel, you know, like pressured, our attitude is, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. It's only fair. And then you have the Good Samaritan. What's mine is yours. I'll share it. And that attitude, though not as common, is certainly Christian. Certainly like Jesus. God's greatest gift. Not only did he come to be one of us, but he died for us on our behalf to give us a whole new life. And so Jesus certainly was in that third category. What's mine is yours, I'll share it. And when we want to be like him, that should be our spirit. So which will it be? What's yours is mine, I'll take it. What's mine is mine, I'll keep it. What's mine is yours, I'll share it. Maybe we should all pray and go home. <laughs> well, three or four of you want, want that. I mean, that really is the lesson, right? That really is the lesson. When I have enough, I can trust God and I can give and I can share. When, when there's a need, I can step up and be part of that because what's mine is yours, I'll share it. It changes my spirit. It changes the way I think. It changes the way I handle my stuff because it isn't just mine. <laughs> Someone told me a long time ago, the last thing to be converted is your wallet or your checkbook um, or your smartphone. <laughs> you know, we're going to get with the 21st century, right? Uh, for those of you who are younger, we used to have these pieces of paper that we wrote numbers on. It's a, it's a long story. Um, it all belongs to God. I am his. My stuff is his. And sometimes that's a tough lesson for us to learn, especially in a culture that loves its stuff, right? And so the word enough is crucial to understanding the ways of God and how he wants to bless us. And so today, I, there's an outline there in your program. We're going to go through it as we typically do on the screen with the scriptures today. But my prayer is that the loudest voice will be the Lord's. Because enough really can be enough. And that's the first feeling. Enough really can be enough. Paul wrote to his young friend Timothy, and he said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but godliness with contentment. But godliness with what? Let's say that word again. But godliness with is great. Great. Underline or circle that because it's on, the, on your uh, outline in the program there is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content. Underline that. We will be content with that. There's a spirit, an attitude that God wants us to have. To be thankful for what we have, to appreciate what we have, to know that it all comes from him and we can have a spirit of contentment. What's Mine is yours, I'll share it. 
and not being content, not seeing all of the goodness of God that he's showered on us as, as blessing, to see it as something we own and hold on to and deserve, to see it otherwise is trouble. The spirit of more, always wanting more, always needing more, can be the road to pain and ruin. He says that too in the same chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Wow. I mean, those are strong words, aren't they? <laughs> that, that plunge people into ruin and desire for, would you read the next phrase, for the... Let's do that again. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Have you ever heard it said, money is the root of all evil? Well, that's wrong. Well, at least that's not in the Bible, okay? What the Bible says is the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, key words coming up here, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. One of the reasons that I love doing what I do is because the Bible is amazing. It is so insightful. It is the truth about us. When you start really getting hooked on things and money and more and better, here's what happens. You wander. You wander. You wander into more and bigger and better stuff and you start spending money you don't really have, you can't really afford on things you may or may not really need to impress people who may or may not care, right? I mean, that's just the truth about us. We wander. We just make foolish decisions. We didn't think it was going to end up being that big a deal. We just go with the flow. Uh, Nancy and I, uh, when we manage our personal finances, we kind of have things divvied up. She keeps the checkbook. I'm the guy who makes the phone call to pay off our credit cards every month. And so when I go through the, the, um, the computer, press 1, press 2, press 10, press 9, what does it say when you get to the thing about do you want to pay the minimum balance or would you like to pay off the full amount? Which do they make it easier to do? They make it easier to pay the minimum balance. And when you do, you wander off and pierce yourself with many griefs. Um, I looked it up the other day. If you, or, yeah, if you have $5,000 on your credit card with a 14% APR, which isn't really that bad, and you make the minimum payment, which is typically 2% of your balance, guess how long it's going to take? 22 years, and guess how much it's going to cost? $5,887 more than the $5,000 you were trying to pay off. Crazy, crazy, and yet we do it. We wander off. We make silly choices, and of course, there's that kind of pain, but then there's the other kind of pain, you know, family members that won't talk to each other because... Mom and dad's estate wasn't divided evenly and money 
causes trouble. Somebody who borrowed something and intended to pay it back but never quite got around to it or something happened and they couldn't pay it back. And there's trouble. And we all know it. We all know somebody, and maybe we know them very well, who's pierced themselves with many griefs because of what happened to their stuff and how much it mattered to them and how much pain it caused. Uh, you may have read Christian author, pastor, one of my favorites, uh, Max Lucado. He writes about living in the land of want. W-A-N-T, spells it out. We want something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner. We want. We don't want much. We just want a little more. You know, when people have been asked, how much would it take to make you happy? You know the answer. Just a little more, right? Just, I think the last time I saw it, it was like, if I could make 15 grand more than I make now, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, right. Back to Max. We like it. We want more because more will make us happy. And it does make us happy for a little while until, until the new car smell passes and the new job gets old and the neighbor gets a bigger flat screen TV and our new spouse has bad habits and the sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, we're off again in the search for more and better and nicer and newer. And we end up in what Max calls the prison of want. You are in a prison if joy is one purchase away, one delivery away, one promotion away, one award away, one makeover away. And the only way out is through the word enough. You know, he's right. When we begin to really believe that we can make it with what God has already given us, that in Christ, we have enough, and he is enough, that changes everything. I love the fact the Bible says God has lavished his grace on us. Quite a word. You know, people want to live a lavish lifestyle? Well, in Jesus Christ, you do. He's lavished us with forgiveness, with joy, with peace, and with his presence. And the way... To get out of the prison of want is to learn to live in the land of enough. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 12. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you little faiths? <laughs> That's the actual phrase in the, in the Greek language, you little faiths. Would you like to, Jesus to call you a little faith? Come on, Jesus, I can do better than that. With your help, with your grace, I can, I can be a big faith. I want to be a big faith. How about you? Not a little faith. A little faith says, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have enough or I can trust him enough. Jesus goes on to say, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, people who don't know Jesus, run after all such things. And your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom first, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
So I go to China for the first time. And I'm on a tour bus full of 20-some American Christians. And the tour guide, a lovely young woman named Cindy, is assigned to us by the government of China. And they have uh, somehow figured out that among this group of people that I'm with, there are some influential and uh, significant leaders from our country. And so um, she begins to tell us all the stories of what China's really all about and the amazing things that are happening there economically and whatever. And she's about halfway through the story and then she says, and what we really want is to be like you. To be like America where you have all the money you need and you're happy. And there's something, I mean, think about it. There's something inside me that's going, eh, 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 wrong answer, right? You, you think through media and the, the news that all the people in America have all the money we need and we're all really happy about it. And we get along and we're just, the, live a, in a bed of roses because we all have money. So I take a deep breath. And um, I'm praying and I'm kind of watching for a minute to get alone with a couple people and Cindy and talk. And so the, the time comes and I say, you know, I get it. I get it that we all want to do well. And we all need enough money to, to do life. But, you know, uh, your impression about our country is a little... I don't know, it's just not exactly accurate because I know a lot of people who have a lot of money and they're not really that happy. She looks at me like I'm crazy, like I'm from another planet. Like, no, 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 you don't get it. We don't have what you have. When we have what you have, we'll be happy just like you're happy. Oh, my. Oh my, it's not just tour guides in China who think that way. I mean, it's our world, it's our culture, it's our neighbors, it's our friends. Sometimes it's us. And so, you know, it takes days like this, you know. Um, Shane earlier, he was setting up the message, you know, he said, we're talking about money and that's kind of a touchy subject. And it's, I, I, I totally get it. I know as a pastor, it's one of the most important things I can talk about because it's, it's the stuff of life. In fact, it is, you know, it's, it's what we get for giving away our lives to our work and to other people. We get money. We get money for doing that. It, it, it can, in fact, feel like it is our lives. And it takes a day like this and the Word of God and the Spirit of God to remind us that we are not our money and we are not our stuff. And it does not define us, and it will not make us happy. Only God will. And when we learn that he is enough, and then when we have an open hand, and we say, Lord, I'm yours, and this stuff is yours. You know, in the Bible, when the, when the principle of tithing was taught to God's people in the Older Testament... It was not about 10% belongs to God, period. 
The whole lesson was about you are God's people. Everything you are, everything you have belongs to God and comes from God. And to show him that you believe it, give him back a portion. That's the principle. You know, it's all God's. I'm all God's. When I, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I said, it's, you know, I'm yours, right? A life for a life. I need you. I can't live without you. I'm, I'm hopeless and lost without you, Jesus. So I need you in my life. And in response, I give you everything I am and everything I have. And over a lifetime with him, I've learned to trust him with that. With who I am and with what I have. And so that's why the Old Testament principle of tithing still has relevance. Not as an obligation, but as an act of obedience and as a sign of our loyalty and love. And so for the last four years, pretty much once a year, about this time of year, I've gotten up and said, try tithing. Uh, give God 10% of what he puts in your hands and watch what he does. He promises in, in Malachi chapter 3 that if you do it, he will bless you. You know, it's the only place I know of in the Bible where God says, try me, test me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Notice what he promises. I will open the floodgates of heaven. Would you read the next phrase? And pour out so much. Blessing. One more time. And pour out so much blessing. blessing. Doesn't say money, does it? Doesn't say you give so you'll get. I have gotten so I give, right? And God says he will pour out blessing. Are there blessings that are not just money? I mean, and sometimes they're better than money, right? Um, someone told me recently that I brag a lot about my kids and grandkids. Have I mentioned my grandkids? <laughs> now, it is not because we have a perfect family, okay? Just let me go on record right now. But I can tell you that when we're all sitting around the table at the holidays, and we say, who wants to pray? They have a fight because they want to pray. That's a good problem. I feel very, very blessed. Our daughter and her family are part of the Kentwood Community Church in south side of Grand Rapids, both involved in ministry my daughter early this morning uh, got up and posted online that she just felt like she wanted to go to church early so she could pray. I'm like, that's my girl. And it's not because of me. Um, it's probably mostly because of her. <laughs> and a whole lot because of him. A long time ago, we decided when we first were married that we were going to tithe to the local congregation that we were part of. And we'd done it all our lives. And twice during that time, we've been involved with major building campaigns and 
um, we actually double tithed for a period of three years. And one of those times was when our kids were in a Christian college and money was very, very tight. The Bible says that if we will test God and trust him and obey him, he will pour out blessings and we will not be able to contain. And I have experienced it and so have many of you. So I don't feel like I'm beating anybody up or that I'm twisting anybody's arm. It's up to you. It's between you and the Lord, right? It's an opportunity. It's an invitation. Uh, if you want to try tithing for the next three months, if you don't feel blessed at the end of three months, I will give you your money back. Watch what God does. And every time we do it, about a month in, right, we're doing this for the next three months, about a month in, somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened in our finances this week. And I'm like, yes, I will. I mean, I'm going to be delighted. I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not unbelievable because that's our God, right? That's our God. Now, if you're in a tough place financially, I'm not trying to put some burden on you that's going to cause more stress and a deeper problem. Obey the Lord. Listen for his voice, okay? His voice is the most important voice in all of this. And he will speak through his word. And there's one more thing I want to say about this, and it's the next thing, which is rely on God's strength. Tithing is really all about trusting. It's not about math and 10% and, you know, was, did I get it right this month? It's like, will I trust God and rely on him? There's a scripture that goes with this. I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I'm poor and I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. What is the secret? When I have enough to eat and when I go hungry, when I have more than I need and when I do not have enough. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Growing up as a young believer, I heard tons of people quote that verse, but nobody ever told me that it was in the middle of a thing on giving, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things, everything, you know, bring it on. <laughs> but nobody ever said that comes right after he says to be content, even if I don't have very much. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can learn to live with less. I can learn to say enough. I can learn to trust Jesus no matter what, even when it's hard. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So that includes honoring him with my stuff. One of the most powerful and important words you will ever say and mean is enough. The worship team is going to come and we're going to pray and close our service today. And I'm going to pray that God will give you a spirit of enough. If you'd like to join me in this prayer, why don't you just put your hands on your lap and open them up as a way of saying, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you gave your life for me. Thank you that you have...
come into the life of every person here who has prayed and honestly given you themselves. And I pray, Lord, that as we close our service today, that we would just say, you are enough. You are enough. And help us to live it. Help us to live it in the way we treat family and friends and people in need and the way we approach the giving here in our church. Lord, we just, we just love you back. And after all you've given us, giving something back to you is just... the sign of our heart, the sign of our trust, an act of surrender. So with open hands and open hearts, we bless your name. There is no God like you. We worship you, God our Father, God our Savior, God our Comforter and Guide. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Provide for your children, Lord. We just read that if we have enough food and enough, to, enough clothes and a place to live, we have enough. So I pray that you'd provide for every person in this place our daily bread, the stuff we need this week. I pray for favor and blessing at work, in our home, in our finances, in our dealing with others. Help us not to be takers or keepers, but help us be givers. Every day, not just Sunday, every day, everywhere. And Lord, may there be something, oh, something winsome, sweet-smelling, joyful, free, in our spirit. And may it splash over on somebody else this week. 